You guys ready to, to study the word of God tonight? Let's, uh, let's open up, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father God, we just thank you for your word. Mm. Man, the privilege of opening up your word to be able to read your love letter to us, your words to us, your challenge, your, your instruction to us. Lord, where there are others in this world that have not that opportunity, they don't have the word written down in their hands. And so, Lord, we don't take it lightly tonight as we open it up. Lord, would you come in a very special way tonight? Would you, would you teach us? Would you, would you touch our hearts? Would you challenge us in such a way that we may walk away from here different, where we would put things differently in order because you showed up tonight? Lord, we ask that you would come and you would be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're talking about one. Uh, as we're preparing for this weekend, we've been talking about one this past weekend and tonight and then and going into this weekend. And, and I have to tell you, uh, first of all, how many of you are planning on getting involved this weekend? Good. On Saturday, how many of you are planning on coming out on Saturday? Okay, there's like 10 of you. Great. Awesome. Uh, uh, how many of you are planning on coming to Sunday morning? All right, that's better. Great, awesome. Well, maybe tonight after, after this time together, maybe you'll be challenged to come out on Saturday and get involved because I believe that this is what God has for us. As a staff, we've been talking about one for uh, a, a number of weeks. In fact, it's kind of the buzz that's been upstairs in the staff, and we've been talking about it. And, and a lot of you know that I, I lived in Mexico for, seven, for six years, and all I can think of when I hear, hear one is this. Juan. But seriously, what do you think of when you hear the word one? What do you think of when you hear the word one? Is it, is it the number one? Is it one person standing alone, an individual standing alone by themselves? Or is it the idea uh, of unity coming together, being one together? Well, tonight, one pertains to the body of believers. The church, being one body, working together as one, looking to the one true and living God to guide us as we love him and as we serve him and as we do the work of the Lord. The Great Wall of China is one of the largest walls ever built in the history of the world. It took over 200 years to build it. When it was completed, it was 5,500 miles long. It's a long way. At one point, 
800,000 people were working on it day and night. This was a big feat to, to, to accomplish building this wall. Some people spent their whole entire lives just building that wall. Not only did the wall keep the enemies of China from attacking, but the wall stands as a, a great symbol, a great symbol of what can be accomplished when people work together. Well, tonight I want to talk about another wall-building project, right? The, the wall of Jerusalem. It's been broken down, and, and Nehemiah has this heart. We heard about it this past weekend. Eric was saying that Nehemiah was burdened to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and now he, he's, he's there. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3. In four, we're going to be looking briefly at both of them quickly tonight. But in light of this, in light of the message of this past weekend from Pastor Eric, we need to remember Nehemiah, with the king's consent, goes to Jerusalem to rebuild the broken wall uh, of Jerusalem. And remember what Nehemiah did? Nehemiah prays. He goes before the king. He takes a step of faith, right? He goes in before the king and asks for the king to, to bless him, to go rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and give him all this stuff to do it. And what happens? God answers his prayer, right? He goes to Jerusalem, all expense paid trip, right? Goes, sends him right into Jerusalem, Well, when Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, he gathered up all the, the Israelites from all the surrounding areas to rebuild the wall. And this is what Nehemiah told them in, in chapter 2, verse 17. Look there with me. Nehemiah said to, to the people, Nehemiah said to them, you see the bad situation that we're in, that Jerusalem is, in, in, is desolate and it's Gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me. And also about the king's words which had been spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. And so they put their hands to the good work. Church, it's one thing to say, let us rise and build. It's another thing to actually rise and build, right? There's a difference. But here, the, you see the people, they, they, they rally around the favor of God. They're excited about what God is doing, and, and they begin to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Now, let me be honest for a second. Sometimes we can spend a lot of time talking about what God's doing and never get our hands dirty. Let me say that again. Sometimes we can spend a lot of time talking about what God's doing, but never get our hands dirty in the work of God. So tonight we're going to look at the people hard at work, accomplishing 
the building of the wall. And then we're going to look at the opposition that comes their way. Now, Nehemiah chapter 3 is the kind of chapter that I always want to skip when I'm, I'm a teacher. Because if you read through the, the, the Nehemiah chapter 3, it's a list of unpronounceable names that the Bible oftentimes puts in there. How many of you ever come across those? Yeah. Those are fun, aren't they? Well, um, but to let you know, this is no chapter to skip. In fact, in studying this for my message, it was pleasing to find, I was pleased to find out that, that there's so much in here for us to take away and to learn from. Along with all these unpronounceable names, this, this chapter is filled with lessons. Lessons to be learned about doing the work of God. First, I have to tell you, I'm not going to bore you with reading all these verses and these names. It, it, it would not go well. So be thankful for that. But one thing I, will, what, one thing I want to mention is the, a, a number of points that I believe that God wants us to, to understand in the midst of these 32 verses. And then we're going to look briefly at chapter 4, and look at four ways to overcome opposition. So look with me at verse 1 of chapter 3. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up from his brethren, the priests, and, brought the sheep, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the tower of Hananel. You see, the high priest takes the initiative, along with his fellow priests, to rebuild quite a bit of the wall here, a gate and a tower. And then it says, what did they do? They consecrated it to the Lord. In other words, they gave God the glory for the results of their work. This is so important as we look forward to this weekend coming up. As we pray tonight, as we spend time praying for what's coming on Saturday and what's coming on Sunday, even if you're not coming out to it because you have something else to do, we can pray and rally around and ask God to bless and to move and to do great things through the efforts of our church going out into our community this weekend. As we go out into our city this Saturday to ask God for his blessing to ask God for his favor and to give the results before it even happens to him. So often we can take the credit for the work of God, can't we? Especially us pastors. Oh, God used me. But we need to be quick to give the credit to the Lord. And what's, what's interesting here. In, in Nehemiah chapter 3 is the people are doing it right. They're giving the glory to God. Look at verse 2. Next is Eliashib. Next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri built. Also the sons of Hassan built the fish gate. And they laid its beams and hung its doors 
and its bolts and bars. And next to them, and so on and so on, as you read down through these verses, it says, and next to them, and next to them, as you see these groups of people as they build and get busy doing the work of God. You see, you get the picture of all that's happening as you look through these verses one after another. Now what we're reading here is a description of the work of the wall of Jerusalem, section by section, counterclockwise, going around the city, starting at the Sheep Gate in verse 1, and then going around and back to the Sheep Gate in verse 32. Now I want you to notice who's doing the work here in verse, in verse 2. Look back at verse 2. It says, next to Eliashib, it says the men of Jericho. In this chapter, there are workers who have come from all over the surrounding areas to help rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem. Men of Jericho, men of Gibeon, men of Mizpah, all these different cities that are surrounding the area have now come to answer the call of God to get involved, to get their hands dirty. Church, this is a good reminder for us. To accomplish God's work, it takes all kinds of different people. People from outside the city. People from inside the city. People from inside our church. People from outside our church. People from different nationalities and cultures. People from different economic backgrounds in trades, in different ages, young and old. We see them all working together in this chapter. I have to be honest. This is what I love about our church. This is what's so beautiful about our church is the, the differences in the people that come. I mean, look at Donnie here. He's sitting here. Donnie is one unique dude, isn't he? If you have, yeah. If, if, you, if you've gotten to know Donnie, he's unique, just like you. Unique. The way God made you, the way you desire to be, but what, what is unique about Donnie and, and what I want to gloat about Donnie is that he's taken his place inside the body. He stepped inside the body of Christ and said, this is my place. This is what God has called me to do. That's what's beautiful about the body of Christ. And I believe that pleases the heart of God. Now, something else I want you to look. Look at verse 8. Now, we're going to be jumping around these verses. So, but look, look at verse 8. We see in verse 8, goldsmiths and perfume makers repairing the wall. Throughout this chapter, there's merchants and priests and Levites and leaders all working together doing the, the work of the Lord. Answering the call to rebuild. This Saturday, we're asking you to answer the call to serve with us, hand in hand, to go out into our community and work with me, 
Work with Eric. Work with us pastors to go into our community and just clean up someone's yard together. Give up four hours of your Saturday morning just to serve the Lord as one body going out to serve, the, serve God together. That's all we're asking for. And just to see what God would do as we out, go out and love on people and touch their lives and pray for them, encourage them, people that are hurting, that's, that haven't had love in a while. Just take a step of faith. Come out with us. Which brings me to my first point in the church. Everyone has a job. In the work, everyone all have a job. And this is what we see in this. In the body of Christ, God has given each one of us a job to fulfill. Did you know that? He's given you a job to fulfill. The question is, what is that job? What is the function that you're supposed to fulfill? You know what's amazing is in these chapters, as you read the next chapters in Nehemiah, they finish the wall in 52 days. That's incredible, church. Now you're thinking, well, it's just a little wall. No, this is a huge wall. Let me, let me tell you how big this wall is. It's four and a half miles long. It's 12 meters high. That's 36 feet tall. It's nine feet wide. It's three meters wide. Now that's a big wall. 52 days. They rebuild it. The only way this wall could be rebuilt in that amount of time is that they came together in unity. Everyone working together, doing their part. Placing stones upon the wall. Oftentimes in the church, different parts of the body are doing what they want to do. Not working together. Just accomplishing what they want. But when are we going to come together and do what God wants? It's a good challenge for us. Church, this place, the church, is not supposed to be a place where a minority of the people do a majority of the work. The church of Jesus Christ is a place where we all pitch in. We all get involved. We all help out. And we all do our part. We all get involved in the ministry so that God can be glorified as a whole. So again, everyone had a job to do as we look at this wall that's being built from the priest to the merchant to, to perfume makers to to goldsmiths, everyone working, men, women, children. And you see the children e even so. That portrays for us a very important principle of the New Testament. That the ministry of the church today belongs to everyone in the church. Not just the pastors, but to all of us. It's our place, it's all of our place to rise up and take our place as God calls us to, to serve him. Which brings me to my second point. As they worked together, they all worked together one beside the other. 
Now, I know when I look around this room and I see all of you, and, and, and you see each other, sometimes you're like, gosh, do I have to work with that person over there? Or that one over there? Now, let's be honest. That's what we do. We say, really? I have to go and serve with them? Yeah. That's what's the beauty of what God does. He uses anybody. I mean, look at Donnie. He uses anybody. You know what? When I first met Donnie 10 years ago, I don't know how long ago. It was 14 years ago. Man, I loved him. He had hair then. He had dreadlocks. And I thought, God, if you can use this guy, you can use anyone. And yet, he is one of the people that each of, uh, that our church seeks out every week to say hello to. Because he's owned his place in the body. It's powerful. It's powerful. There's 38, there's 38 different individual groups that are listed here in this chapter. 38 groups. 38 groups working together, not allowing any gaps in between them so that the enemy can get in. Each one next to the other, all equal in the work that they're doing. It's amazing. This, is, this rarely happens in the church today, doesn't it? Working close, side by side, not allowing any gaps to get through. Working, coming together, making sure that we're, we're covering everything. Notice the phrase in, in, these, in this chapter, and next to them, and next to them. It's over and over and over again. In fact, the phrase is used 15 times in, in 32 verses. Over and over again, God uses, and next to them. Why? He's making a point. God's making a point as he writes this down in his word. It was through unity that the wall was built. Groups of people laboring together, side by side, laying aside their differences for the sake of God's eternal purpose. As, as a church, we can't accomplish the whole on our own. It's impossible. But working together, hand in hand, we can make a difference. We can change our city. Do you believe that? We can change our city if we come together and we work together. A single snowflake is among the most delicate, fragile things that we can see. No snowflake is like the other. They're all unique. But if, if enough of them stick together, they can paralyze a city, can't they? There is tremendous power in unity. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We need to preserve the unity of God, the unity of the spirit. Why is the body of Christ often disunified? Dare I, dare I say what I think? 
pride holds us back. Selfishness holds us back. Unity is God's desire for his church. Yet selfishness and pride hold us back from accomplishing it. God desires for us to function as a body, a healthy body. Now, think of the church as a real body. Like, okay, look at my body. Okay, it's not that great, I know. But, but now look at it, and I want you to think of the church, the body of Christ, okay, being a real body, okay? Each part fulfilling its function. There's fingers, and there's, there's toes, and there's eyes, and there's ligaments, and there's organs, and there's all these things that are taking place. Romans chapter 12, verse 4, says this. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. You know what that just, you know what that means? That means we're all connected, whether you like it or not. I'm connected to you, and you're connected to me. We are connected people. We, as the body of Christ, we are one. That's what that's telling us. God desires for each one of us to fulfill our part in his body, yet all working together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17 says this, 17 and 18. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were the hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now, but now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. You mean he made us different for a reason? Absolutely. He made you different than me because he has a different call, a different purpose, a different plan to use your life very specifically to, to accomplish for him. God has made us each unique for a specific purpose. Let me ask you a question. Have you taken your place in the church? Or do you just come to church? Have you taken your place? Are you fulfilling your function inside the body? Have you found a place to serve? Have you found a place where your gifts are being used? Because that's what God desires of his body. And these are challenging questions. I hope you're challenged tonight with these things. I want you to see something else that's very special in, in this chapter. If you look, look at ver, uh, verse 5 of, of chapter 3, you see the Tekuites, they're, they're building this part of the wall, and then you see them mentioned again in, in verse 27 working on another section of the wall in verse 27. You see, the Tekoites exceeded their allotment of the wall. They got the work done fast. And they, they said, hey, you know what, guys? Let's go help someone else. Let's get involved and in, in not just be, well, we're, our work's done. Let's take a break. 
No, they said, let's get busy. Let's help someone else. Let's go find out where, where, someone's, what, where someone's hurting and, and, and maybe help them in the process. And there were others mentioned that did the same in this chapter. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. In action, when one part is lacking, the other part helps out in their need. Isn't that what the, the human body does? When, when, when your body's hurt, right, and, and there's, a, there's a sickness, the other parts of the body come to its aid, and it starts to re, re, uh, reform what's been hurt in the part, that part of the body and starts to heal it. It comes to its rescue. That's what we need to be doing as the body of Christ. I have a good illustration, a good picture of this. Um, our church staff went out to, to do some work at Glenary last, last week on last Friday. And, and I'm the one that put it all together for the, them, uh, by the way. And so, so we get there and we're at Glenary and, and we all show up. It's all, you know, 35 of us, all of our staff people. And, and, uh, and I had told them, oh, yeah, they're, they're, it's going to be kind of light work, you know. It's not going to be that hard. And, and uh, <laughs> we got there, and uh, they killed us. Like, they worked us to death. It wasn't like sweeping floors. I mean, they had us, like, taking down all the, the, the forest and chopping it down and, and putting, putting fence posts in and digging holes. And, uh, I mean, and the ladies were just like, what did you do to us here? But what's, in, what's, what's, so, what's a great example of this is some of our staff couldn't do the work. They couldn't do all of the work. Some of them had to take a break and had to sit down, and they couldn't do the kind of work that they were asking us to do. So others got up, and, and they, they took their place, and they said, hey, I'll take your shovel, and I'll get in there, and let me take your tool, and, and, and we got the work done. And at the end, we didn't go, well, you didn't do any work. Well, I did more work than you. We didn't sit around. No, we rallied around and said, man, that was awesome. Look what God did. We accomplished the work that was set out to do. That's the body of Christ. Coming behind people and, and working together and, and not saying, well, you didn't do enough work, but say, hey, man, it's okay. I got your back. Because when, when, when I'm down, you're going to pick me up. Something else I want you to notice. All the people were available and flexible. There were goldsmiths, again, priests, merchants, leaders. There were perfume, perfume makers. There were fathers and there were daughters All doing construction work. It's interesting. All doing construction. Daughters doing construction work. Yes, they were, they were out there doing the work. Interesting. They were willing to be used where, wherever God wanted them to be used. It didn't matter their skill or their profession. No one said, well, you know, uh, I don't do that. Sorry. Uh, it's not my profession. They said, what do you need? You want me to pick up stones? Great. 
Everyone can pick up stones, big or small. This Saturday when we go out, we just need people to be willing to pick up stones, big or small. It doesn't matter. To love people, to just get busy doing the work of the Lord. People that are available and that are flexible, God can use. You know what's amazing is that all these people stop their normal jobs and their professions and to bring order to, in order to bring security to Jerusalem at this time. Stop and ask yourself this question. Are you willing to do whatever God wants you to do? Or are you putting the stipulations on God, on God saying, God, if I do, you, this is what I will do. Let me encourage you. Find a place to serve in the body. It doesn't have to be this Saturday. But begin to explore what God may have you do. Make yourself available and see what God does as you do. Another point is the people were working where God had placed them. God placed these people all around the wall, or Nehemiah, through God's leading, placed these people to work around the wall. And, and we find in verse 10, we find in verse 21, we find in verse 23, 24, and 28, and 29, and 30, where it talks about them working close to their home. Close to their home. God has placed each of us strategically where he wants us to be. God has placed you strategically where he wants you to be. In your families, in your neighborhoods, in your office, in your school. Minister where God's placed you. Are you allowing God to use you where you're at? Right where you're at? Or is it that you have to come to church to be used by the Lord? You see, this is where we should get equipped then to go out. God has strategically placed our church exactly where he wants it for a reason. He placed you right where you're at in your workplace, in your family for a reason to accomplish his work. So wherever you're at, embrace that place. Embrace and say, God, thank you for placing me here. And you're going, really? God, I do not want to be right where I'm at. <laughs> embrace it, wherever that is. And let God use you right where you're at. I love this about these verses. As we, as we watch these people laboring in their neighborhoods, it's beautiful to see God work. And he needs to work in our neighborhoods, amen? He needs, as we go out on Saturday, we're going to be going into some of your neighborhoods. 
the neighborhood right behind our church, a neighborhood across the street from our church. We're going to be going into those neighborhoods and loving those people. Something else I want to point out is that the families were serving together. As you read through this chapter, you see families serving together. Look at verse 12. The official of the, of the district was working with his daughters. How, what an awesome picture uh, uh, of, what, of what the church should look like. Now, I have four daughters. And there's no greater joy in my life than when my daughters are serving right next to me. What an opportunity to go out on Saturday and serve together as a family, to go out as a family and serve together, all of you, all at once. Families serving together. This, is, this should be what we strive for. This is what you should strive for as a family, to go and serve and to find a place to serve the, serve the Lord together. Now, Without the power of the Holy Spirit in all of this, it would be in vain. If we did everything that I'm talking about, getting work, getting hard at work, putting stones on the wall, if we did all of this in the flesh, it would be in vain. The only way we can accomplish this is through the power of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit involved in our lives, working in us and through us to accomplish his work. When we go out on Saturday, when I go out on Saturday, I'm praying, God, use my life to touch someone else. Use me to love somebody, to show Christ in such a way that they're going to get changed, that transformed, that God would use them. That God would use my life to transform that person. That's what I'm praying for. My question to you is, are you praying for that? Do you want that? Are you praying for that in your life? The Holy Spirit says he's our helper. The word helper in John 14, 16, it means parakletos, which means one who comes alongside. That's the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He's right next to me saying, you can do it. You can do it. Take a step of faith. Go and love somebody. Go and serve somebody. Go and hang out with that person. Go call that person on the phone and encourage them. He's along with us in the venture of faith as we walk through this together. Now, have you ever noticed when you do take a step of faith that as you take that step of faith to do something great for God, right as you do that, great opposition follows you. Great opposition follows you. It's the enemy that tries to stop you. And in fact, that's what we see in chapter 4. So we're going to move out of chapter 3 and chapter 4 for just a couple minutes as we end out. Now look at verse 1. Now it came about when Sam Ballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall he, began, he became furious and very angry, mocking the Jews, and he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the, and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? 
Something we all need to remember as we take our place in the body of Christ is that all, there always, we always have to be ready for the opposition. It will come at any moment from any direction. That's what happens. The first attack of the enemy here is mocking the work of God. Oftentimes when we take a step of faith, we get mocked, don't we? We start to believe the things that they're saying. We doubt the things that we're doing. The Jews were, were probably weak at best at this moment. They've been working, especially after a number of days working on the wall. Most of them have no background in construction. They're probably looking at the wall going, oh my, is this going to last? Supernaturally, God uses it and, and makes the wall what it needs to be. But the, they don't feel that. They don't know that. Most of them feel like we're going to lose here. The enemy's coming in to attack us. There's, it's a fairly small group of people for a, such a large task in front of them. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Actually, they probably didn't get paid. It isn't, and they start to listen to the enemy. They get focused on their weaknesses. And that's what the enemy does. He starts to get you to focus on your weaknesses. He tells you, as you begin to take a step of faith and encourage, you have just enough courage to step out and say, I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start going to that Bible study. I'm going to start a Bible study. I'm going to step out and share my faith with my, with my neighbor. I'm going to start serving, uh, serving the Lord. I'm going to step out and, and help out in the church somewhere. And then someone comes along and says, why are you doing that? Don't you know who you are? Don't you know? Haven't you looked at yourself in the mirror recently? Don't you know that your life is a mess? Don't you know that you don't have the skills to be able to do that? Man, if I listened to all that, I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be a pastor. I wouldn't have done the things that God had called me to do in my life if I listened to the enemy's lies. They're lies. You see, the enemy, he mocks, he ridicules, and causes us to feel defeated. Jesus was mocked, wasn't he? Jesus was mocked, and when he was mocked, what did he do? He didn't answer their accusations. He just continued doing the Father's will. He stayed on task. You see, Nehemiah begins to fight back in verse 4. And what he does is not the kind of fight that we would expect. Look at verse 4, and we're going to end with this. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Nehemiah fights 
but he fights by giving the situation over to God. He begins by saying, God, it's your fight. He begins by praying. Notice what it says in verse 6. We, so we will build the wall, and the entire wall was joined together all to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. They got busy doing the work of God. How was the wall built? One brick at a time, right? One stone at a time. One after the other. Perseverance. It happened through continuing to serve the Lord through opposition. It didn't matter. They just kept going. Kept serving. Serving the Lord through the hard work. What we see as we walk through the rest of this chapter is this. Nehemiah begins to pray. He begins to pray. The enemy begins to come against him, and they set a watch on the wall day and night. They set a guard day and night to protect the city. And then in verse 14... Nehemiah reminds them that it's the Lord that's got us where it's got them this far. He says in verse 14, Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses, because we serve a great God and he's on our side. He's on our side. And so, as we end tonight, and as we take some time to pray, we're going to pray hard because we want God to do great things this weekend. Amen? We want to see God do some transformation in people's lives. We want to see people get saved this weekend. We want to see lives touched and loved and cared for in a way that they haven't in a long time. 